Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, and I'm Sammy Krimstein. Jack and Ori will not be joining us today, but we have a very special guest that will be joining us. He's from the H Squared Sports Podcast. He's been a good friend of mine for a very long time, a very long time, probably like 10 years or something. I don't even, yeah, decades. I can't even count that high. Honest. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, Henry Joyner from the H Squared Podcast is going to be joining us. We're going to be having a good old time. So, uh, Henry, just uh, introduce yourself. Tell tell us a little bit about your podcast, yourself, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was on uh, Chatter with the Cheap Seats uh, podcast uh, about a year ago. Came on for a little bit, uh, talking some college football with uh, you guys, and that was very fun. I've always told Sammy that. Um, I'd love to come back for any special guest episodes and whatnot. He's back. He has returned. Yeah. <laughs> love to support my friend and his podcast making while I make my own podcast and try to see where we can, or I can go with that. So, um, again, the H bird sports podcast is, um, run by me and one of my good friends also named Henry. And we go over quality sports content that happens on a weekly basis, whether it's MMA, NHL, um, MLB, NBA, and whatever sport that's going on in <laughs> whatever's going on in the world right now, sports wise, we will talk about it and give you guys quality sports content on a weekly basis. If you're looking for stuff like that, subscribe to it and you guys will not be disappointed. That's all I got to say. But yeah, I'm excited yeah. to be here and talk some NBA and MLB with you. It's definitely. Yeah, definitely. If you guys aren't already, you got to subscribe to the H squared mm-hmm. sports podcast, do it now. Pause, it. pause this podcast, go do over it. to YouTube, do subscribe, <laughs> click that beautiful red button on YouTube. And, uh, Henry, if you don't know, he is a huge Atlanta sports fan. And that's where we're going to start today mm-hmm. because the Hawks are in the Eastern conference finals. And before we talk about the Eastern conference finals, Take me through your journey with this team, man, because that that's crazy. They were not in the playoff race at all. Yeah, it was it was really, fire it was really coach, surprising. Fire your head coach, and now all of a sudden you, you surge yeah. fifth in the Eastern Conference. You win some huge series in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you knock out the 76ers. Yeah. The Hawks have been incredible. It's been fun to watch. So tell me about just your emotions through this year with the Hawks. It's been crazy. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I think it just started with the head coaching change with uh, Nate. He like came in when we were just in the bottom, just six feet under. And it was surprising. I mean, we were just, I mean, we, I think when we made those off season moves, like getting Gallinari and Boogie and Lou William, I mean, Lou Williams, we got it like the deadline, but you get, you get, you get what I'm saying. Those moves, I think, put us in playoff position. I think everyone knew that. I don't think anyone expected us to be like a five seed or whatever. I think everyone kind of expected us to be kind of a lower seeded team. And when we didn't play up to those expectations at the start of the year, I think everyone was surprised. And so was I. I was like, how can you surround this team with shooters and three and D guys without playing like it? I mean, Trey's been, Trey's been amazing. I think he's 
I think the fact that he also got snubbed from the All-Star game just drove him to play better. I mean, he thrives off of hate and from the fans. And I mean, I think fan, I think everyone knows this by now, but I think everyone has been saying that Trey is playing the villain in these playoffs. Yeah, well, there's the iconic, now iconic picture yeah. of him in Madison Square Garden in that yeah, uh, first series. Yeah, yeah that, that iconic. I mean, that, that sums it up right there. That's what Trey Young has been yeah. all year for the Hawks. And, you know, throughout the Eastern Conference Finals, he was doing that. But then, yeah, uh-huh. you know, he steps on the ref's foot. That's what happened, right? And then I believe so, yeah. And then he, so he's, he's questionable today. Yeah, that's a very big playing, deal. And how big of a deal is it if Trey Young is not playing tonight in game four? Game four, yeah? Yeah, game four is tonight at 7.30, I believe. But yeah. 8.30 Eastern. Yeah, if Trey is not playing... That is a huge blow to the team. If we were to lose anyone, and if if we were to lose anyone in the team, that would be detrimental to um, the run that we're having. It would be Trey Young. We cannot lose him at all right now. He's he, he's literally the key to the offense. He's he's what gives us pace, um, court vision, ball handling, shooting. He's he's a threat everywhere. Like it's it's almost impossible to guard him and keep him contained because he can do so much. If you're press, if you're pressuring him, that's probably the only way you can stop him. That's how, what the Sixers did, and they took us to seven games just by specifically doing that to Trey Young. And obviously, the the Milwaukee Bucks aren't like the Sixers; their defense isn't as great. But they're gonna they've been trying to keep him quiet, and I mean they've been failing. But now that that injuries, now that the ankle injury has shown up, he's not having Trey is a huge. It's a huge problem for the Hawks because now you have to decide who's going to step up at point guard if he doesn't play. And it will probably be Lewis, Lou Williams, which I think he can definitely step up. I mean, he's done it before. And Lou Williams, I think, is one of the greatest six men to ever play the game of basketball. I mean, he's shown it statistically and is just pure clutchness, but it's still a huge blow because, again, Trey just unlocks everything in our offense because besides cause if you take out Trey – we're just a three-point shooting team with <laughs> we're just a three-point shooting team. Like that's it. Nothing well, yeah, to- you know, I agree with you. He unlocks everything in that offense. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. You know, I there was a big game, I don't remember which one it was, where Kevin Herter had like twenty yeah, Herter. Um, it's like game seven. Points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Herter was really clutch and he's had some big games, but that is only unlocked when you have guys double teaming on young. And you're yeah. so focused on stopping Young that it opens up the mm-hmm. offense for these yeah. other guys to explode and have big nights of their own. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. By Trey Young being such a factor, even when he's not on his game, he's making a huge impact because yeah, giving other away. guys on the team mm-hmm. an opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. and giving him the opportunity to get shots and um, make those shots and make an impact on the game. And without him in the lineup – that's going to be huge. And I think if he's clear to play, he's got to be in, even if he's not full strength, mm-hmm. yeah. even if he's not, yes. you know, playing, maybe he's, like he's only playing 30 minutes tonight. Just say, mm-hmm. I don't know. Even if that's always clear to play for any amount of time, he's on the floor can change the game. Exactly. Got to get that guy on the floor. He's the next factor for the Hawks. And if you don't have him, so like if he can't play tonight and you're down two one in the series, how you got it? This is a must-win game. You don't want to be down three-one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you attack the Bucks, who have been a pretty solid defensive team all year? How do you mm-hmm. attack them without your best player, without Trey Young? 
you just have to hope you can get a download to Capella, get him some boards, double-doubles. You have to try to feed him the ball in the post. Hope that Boogie and Herder can step up from behind the line along with Gallo and John Collins. It, I think it just comes down to three-point shooting. I mean, that's, I think that's the Hawks' strength. And we have a good team-based, like a high-quality like team-based basketball team. We love shooting the three. It's been proven before. That's what got us into like, the conference finals six years ago. Paul Milsa, Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver, Carroll, all those guys could shoot three very well. And I th- that's how that's how our team base kind of teams are known for three and D offense and defense. So you just have to hope we continue to play like that. And I mean, we, we've done it so far in this series. I think in game three, when we choked the lead late in the game, we were we were doing great. We were lights out from three to start the game like we were unconscious and then we slowly slowly got colder throughout the game and that opened the door for Middleton and Giannis to just heat up at the end and win the game so if we can if we can continue to shoot and hit our big shots from the offensive end and behind the line I think we have a chance but again like we've said Trey is the key if you take take Trey out the whole offense is just not the same and it's discombobulated because Trey can do so much pass it around drive yeah, he can do it all. Like, Everything, yeah. And you notice you were talking about game three and how that shooting kind of went cold as the game went on. Think about yeah. it. Trey Young left the yeah. game in the third quarter, I believe. And yeah, I believe the game so, yeah. was, you know, really in the Hawks' control. Mm-hmm. Kind of the Bucks kind of start inching back in the second quarter. And then Trey Young leaves. Your shooting cools down. And then Chris Middleton just goes off in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Clutch, you give credit. But – you know, that just shows how much of a factor Trey Young is. You lose him for what, 14 minutes maybe of the game, maybe a little more than that. In the game. just like that, they're and back in. Like it. that, it almost, it's like night and day. You're shooting. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. The Hawks are not the same team without Trey Young. Yeah. Um, There's some star players that you can take away from a team, and the, the identity is still there. The team is still there. With the Hawks, Trey Young is huge. I mean, one of the most valuable players in the league to a team when you think about it. So losing him would be just detrimental. And uh, let, let's move on over to the West now. Yes, yeah. The West, because that's, that's a fun I'll be honest. I mean, that has been that's a trade so far. Mm-hmm. The Suns were up 3-1 in game five. Paul George decided he was not going home. Paul George <laughs> dropped 41 points. 13 rebounds, 6 assists on five, 15 for 20 shooting. Really great on oh, the floor. Very good. Get a, uh, an absolutely disgusting crossover that sent Chris Paul into the, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Pacific Ocean or whatever. Pacific Ocean, yeah. We'll just go with that. We'll just go, go with, with that. that. <laughs> but um, no matter which way you put it, Paul George dominated. And oh, massively. He going in for the Clippers was filling the Kawhi void without Kawhi. It's like, uh, what are you going to do? Paul George was really filling that void. Do you think he's going to be able to do that? And, you know, cause the Clippers have been a team that they've had a lot of, a lot of elimination games and a lot of wins in those games. I looked mm. seven wins in when trailing a series this year, which is most in the postseason history in NBA, which is really impressive. Can they keep that up? Because without Kawhi, it's going to be tough. Paul George has a lot on his shoulders. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's obvious. Because, I mean, in the past, 
past few games of the series, I mean, he's he's cost them games at the line. If he hits if he hits those two um, free throws, and I believe it was game two when he made the made the alley oop dunk to win, if he hits those two free throws, that's out of the question. Suns at, at at the most are just one point away from tying it, and I mean. George is very good, and I don't think that's to be discredited at all. I think besides Kawhi Leonard, Paul George can be the second best, maybe even the best two-way player in the game. But then again, that's Kawhi's spot. He's going to hold that till he retires. Yeah. <laughs> but Paul George, I think, still can play like he, like a star player that he used to be, like in Indiana, like when he took them to the oh, Eastern yeah. Finals against the Heat. He played out of his mind. And he's, I, I don't think he's been able to get back to that point ever since he left. Well, yeah, remember he had that injury. That injury. The injuries have – that that's, what was, that's what I'm saying. He hasn't been able to get back to that point because, again, there's injuries slowing him down. And, and he's also become a um, second option on teams that he's been on since Indiana. Because, I mean, he went to the, he went to the uh, OKC Thunder, was playing with Westbrook. Yeah, second option. You're not going to be the, the first option when Westbrook's on the team. That's just – that's just not possible. So, I mean, if Paul George is the first option and you just let him kind of do his thing, he can go off for you at any given time if he's feeling it that night. I mean, that shows you right now. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. Like, that's fantastic. Along with two monster games from Reggie Jackson and Marcus Moore Sr., who both played 38 minutes as well. We were talking about how Trey Young opens up the offense – for the Hawks, and a star player will really do that for you. Paul George did that in that game. I mean, exactly. he didn't it all, and the, he dropped 41 points, but since the defense is focusing on him more, you give Morris and Reggie Jackson a chance, and yeah. they both dropped 20-plus points. I mean, those are not mm-hmm. guys who will drop you 20-plus points day in and day out. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's still an uphill battle for the Clippers. Oh, very, very. I, I, very I, as much as I love Paul George and what he did in Game 5, like you were saying, it's tough to rely on him with the injury history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few like just like a week ago or something, he missed two free throws at the line that would have yeah, came for the Struggled to be clutch, yeah. Think about it. If he made those two free throws, we're in a very different spot right now in the series. Yeah, that's probably I mean, 3 would not have been up 3-1. Probably would have been like a two-two series, yeah. And you know, momentum. Who knows? But um, I don't rely on Paul George as much as I would if Ka- Kawhi was in the lineup. And oh, yeah, no, you are gonna need production from your bench guys or your guys that aren't the stars, like Reggie Jackson. Exactly. And a, a lot has to fall into place. I love what the Clippers have done, but it, it's very improbable at this point because the Suns are a team that have been so good at making adjustments. Such great coaching throughout the year, and in yep. the depth they have. last night in the paint, or last night, yeah, that was last night. There was stuff a little bit last night in the paint, and offensively, I don't expect that to happen again. I oh, think no. with Chris Paul, the leader that he is, and then Booker, the scorer that Booker he has played, the rebounder that he has been. I don't think there's much stopping the Suns. I think they're going to be the Western Hard. Conference champion, which. It's very hard. I'm to super excited about the thing about this postseason, and I, I don't know if you agree with me. I mean, I'm having such a great time watching these teams that haven't really been to the finals in a long time. Because before, you know, the few years before, like 8, 2018, 17, whatever, 
It was like the Cavaliers and the Warriors. Very predictable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. LeBron James in the finals almost every year. It was getting boring. This year, it's yeah. parody. You know, it's I, a lot I've, different. I've been watching it and I've been having a great time watching because mm -hmm. not only is it teams that haven't been to the finals, but a lot of players that are hungry and whether it be that they, they're young and they just haven't had the chance or guys like Paul George who have just fallen short a lot of times. Um, there are a lot of guys who want it very bad who have never had it before. And that makes it all the more exciting in the exactly. NBA finals. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Oh, I don't disagree. I mean, if you – well, I mean, I think that's one – I think one thing that the NBA has lost the past few years is its, is it's fan base in a way because, like – Again, when it comes when it becomes predictable and it's very easy to realize, oh, the next super mega team like the Warriors or the Cavs, who have three star players on one team, oh, where are they going? Oh, the finals. You can might you might as well just chalk it up on a on a whiteboard. Whatever. We thought that was the Nets. We thought that was yeah. the Nets, and they wasn't. Yeah, everyone, I thought it was the Nets too. I thought they were going to go in easy, but they they failed. They failed. And I love that. It's yeah, it's nice. Stories, it's nice to see that. Lots of these underdog stories have like beaten these big bad teams, like the Lakers. The Lakers yeah. in the first round to the Suns. That was LeBron's first ever first round loss in his career, and that's amazing. It, that's it was. I mean, it kind of blows your mind, and it reminds me last year, like a year and a half ago, the Last Dance was on, and they were yeah. playing all the highlights and stuff from like the. Mm -hmm. I'm talking more about like the early '90s Bulls, like when they weren't really on that reign of terror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of parody we're talking about here. Like, you don't know, is it going to be the Pistons? Is it going to be the Bulls? And then, like, the Jazz kind of came really good. And, you know, it's really exciting. And yeah. I can't wait to see who does it because I honestly don't know. Yeah. Like, what these story would finals, be. it's a toss-up. You know, who is Trey Young going to be back? Is Giannis going to keep dominating? And then the West is, are the Suns going to adjust? Is Paul George going to keep doing what he does? There are a lot of questions, and I cannot wait to watch what happens. Yeah. But uh, that is going to do it for the basketball. But we have a lot to talk about in the MLB this week. And I think the headline from this week was probably the Red Sox sweep of the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And Jack, who is normally here, is the resident Yankees fan. Not here today, which is probably a good thing. He would uh, <laughs> not be happy. With what is happening, uh, he, I know he's not happy because the Yankees are only three games above 500. They're in fourth place in the AL East. The Red Sox aren't their arch rival is in first place right now. What's what are some of your impressions on what's happening in the AL East? And I guess if we're talking about the Red Sox versus the Rays, do you think that sweep of the Yankees shows that they're a first place team, or do you think the Rays are still going to be the team at the end of the year that? is in first place in the AL East, or maybe even the Blue Jays or Yankees. So AL East, uh, what are your thoughts right now? Uh, well, I would just like to say to start off with the AL East, I think is the most competitive uh, division in baseball besides the NL West right now. Yeah. Because all four, all four of those teams, except the Orioles, I think can all be um, division series winners or division, the division winners, sorry, not division series. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Sox shock. I, I think they've, I think they've surprised everyone with how they've played this year. And I mean, they've been riding the backs of some of their younger players like um, Bobby Dahlbeck and Alex Verdugo, Rafael Devers. I mean, JD has returned to form at the plate. Yeah. And I think 
that's been big. And I mean, their bullpen's been kind of surprising too. Matt Barnes has been amazing for them. Oh my God. Their bullpen has been all around. I mean, it's been great. Him, Ottavino, and Whitlock have kind of been, it's been one of the best trios of guys in the league. I yeah. mean, they've just been incredible. And then with the team mm. like that, right, their starting pitching is not good. I mean, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but um, they haven't had very good starting pitching this year. But with a bullpen like they've had and a top offense, it might even be the best offensive team in the league with all the guys that they have stepping up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really yeah. like the Red Sox to win the A at least. Do you think the Rays, because the Rays obviously have the better pitching. Do you think that could possibly put them above? Mm-hmm. Like, what, do you think the Ra- how competitive do you think that's going to be between the Rays and the Red Sox? I think the one issue with the Rays is the fact that they have so much youth on their team. I think that they could stall out as the season goes on. I mean, again, who knows? It's, it's the Rays. That even they, the Rays are one of the most intriguing organizations in baseball because, like, I mean, they, they won the World Series last year with a team that on paper, you're, you wouldn't expect to make a World Series. I mean, they got there because of pitching and hitting with, like, guys like Brandon Lau and um, Randy Rosarina. Nowadays, nowadays, they don't have all that pitching that they used to have, but they're still afloat in the AL East in second, and they're still playing very well with all these young guys. And, I mean, they called up Wander Franco, and he's been pretty good so far. Yeah, I mean, he's their been a little bit. Well, I, also. I've been thinking, too. I mean, Wander Franco, is. I think he's going to get back on track. He's too good not to, but last I checked, he's sitting actually sub-200. I mean, he had that huge moment in the first played, but – um. I'm thinking Willie Adamas got traded a few weeks ago to the Brewers mm-hmm. and Brewers, yeah. lights out since he joined Milwaukee. Yeah, and sure. the weakness of that team, you know, even though the pitching isn't as good, still great. The weakness of that team yeah. is, mm-hmm. off- is offense. And Willie Adamas yeah. is a guy that hadn't really provided that for the race. And then he leaves them. And all of a sudden he's raking in Milwaukee. He's showing off the bat. Yeah, showing up. You know, you wonder, it's like, if you don't trade a guy like that away, what, you know, maybe he's helping you win some more games. And I I think it's going to be, no matter what, really right down to the finish with these two teams. Um, and who knows, maybe even the Blue Jays will crawl back up because you have some really – definitely can. With the Blue Jays. Uh, it'll be fun to watch mm-hmm. with the AL East. But um, next here on our agenda – we have to do it. Uh, Henry is the Braves fan, the the resident Braves fan today, and um, it's never fun talking about your team when they're struggling, when they're under five hundred. The Braves, who on paper were really supposed to win the NL East, that was the goal, that was the expectation for the Braves, and they're in third place, I believe, three games under five hundred. Henry is straight up not having a good time. So what's going wrong here? We were talking a little bit about it before the show, but obviously we weren't recording. So uh, yeah. mm-hmm. talk us through what's going wrong with the Braves because it it's really been kind of an embarrassment, to be honest. I I, I hate to hate to say that about your team, man, but it's been rough. <laughs> I could not, I could not, I couldn't more agree with you on that. I mean, it's. <laughs> I have tried to watch the Braves this year, and every time I go into a game, I feel like we're going to lose. Like, and that's not a mindset you want to have as a fan. Like, 
no one wants that. I mean, all Braves fans can agree with me on this. Like, we've, I've, I've always given the Mets um, a little bit of backlash for their inability to perform when they have a solid team. I mean, I think the Mets have failed to do that ever since they won the World Series, except for this year. This year, they're actually playing pretty well. And now I think the roles have been reversed and the Braves are playing like the Mets usually would, where we have a fantastic team on paper with a great rotation. The lineup, the lineup looks similar to what it was last year, which almost got us to the World Series game way. And the bullpen, even though we lost a few guys, we should, we should still have a bullpen that could perform late in games and play well. But that was not the case at all. Nothing. No one in the bullpen has stepped up massively. The rotation's been very good. So at least that showed up this year. And guys like Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, and um, I'm thinking of one more person, Drew Smiley had been lights out for us the past few games. But I think what's, I think what's wrong with the Braves is just the, the, the massive failure that the bullpen has proven to be as of right now. And... I mean, that's, that's what, that was the key for the Braves last year. That's why we were so good. Even though we had injuries in the rotation, we always could just take out a starter through like maybe four or five innings and then just leave it to the bullpen and say, here you go, take the reins, get us this dub. And they would do that. So when you lose guys like Mark Melanson, Darren O'Day and Shane Green for, I mean, we have Shane Green now, but we lost him for about a month or a few months or so. But look at Mark Melanson now. I think he's leading the National League in saves. Yeah, he's having a crazy year and crazy year. Like, he's, oh, playing, he's playing like a, he's playing like his old uh, Pittsburgh Pirate self, and he's a guy I'd love to have right now. And we could have gotten him very cheap too. That's what's even more annoying. The guys we let go, we could easily have gotten back for not that much cash as well. O'Day, O'Day's been decent on the Yankees. I don't know if he's been amazing, but again, losing guys like him and Mark Melanson just hurt your bullpen's depth. And I mean, I get why we did it. So we have, we have young guys that can come into the bullpen and play up to similar status that those guys are like AJ Minter and, um, AJ Minter's a, a guy that I think, um, Braves management has been high on. I think that's it's been that way for the past few years. They they want to keep giving Minter the shot to become the next closer for the team. Because again, like I said earlier when we weren't recording, he reminds he reminds I think every Braves fan of Craig Kimbrell, but he's a Southpaw. Baby Kimbrell, yeah. <laughs> he's kind he's he's, he's 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 baby Kimbrell. So yeah. <laughs> it's just the inability for guys like him and I guess let's say guys like Jacob Webb and. Um, Sean Newcomb to perf- the new guys to perform in the bullpen. And I mean, everyone else hasn't really stepped up like Chris Martin or Will Smith. Will Smith has been okay. Martin has been okay as well, but it's just, no one's been able to give the Braves a, <laughs> um, a relaxed bullpen outing. Like it's just, it just has not been possible. Every time you go into the bullpen, it just, you're expecting them to give up a run and no one's been able to, show that they can um, get through quality innings quite easily. And it's just, and it's just very annoying. I mean, again, the bullpen is the main issue with the Braves and it will continue to be that way until we figure it out and maybe start buying in at the deadline. Yeah. 
going to be a better show, but it, that, that's the main issue with the phrase. And I think we can bounce back, but it has to be soon or else we're, we're just done. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about this also in just a little bit, but you were talking about the trade deadline. Are, are they going to be trying to get another bullpen arm to kind of maybe not completely solve the issue, but address it and um, help it? Because they, they did acquire Green, like a, what you said, like a month ago. And then, but you, you still need, the issue is not fixed. I mean, he just got back from being hurt, but you need guys. Is that something they're going to address? Or are they going to be more selling at the deadline, trying to get some prospects? I would be surprised if they sell. That, that's where I stand with the Braves. I wouldn't agree with Alex Anthopoulos at all if he decided to sell at the deadline. It would make no sense. If he sell if he were to sell at the deadline, that, that would just be throwing our World Series window out the window. <laughs> yeah, for real. Sense. We go out the window. <laughs> but if you're in the Braves position, you have to I mean, I think it's a tough decision because you I think what Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Sisker want to do is to try to ride out try to ride out with this team and see if we can get back on track, which we can, but that's also a big, it's a big risk as well. Cause at the, at the same time, you're running out of time to turn it around and you have to decide soon, is this team going to make the playoffs or does it have the potential to sneak in the wild card or maybe even win the division miraculously, which I don't think we will. If we're going to make the playoffs now, the, the goal is to make the wild card. And it's going to be hard to do that with the Padres and the Dodgers. Heating up. Yeah, the national the Nationals are even heating up too. So you have to – it's just – it's the National League is having so many of these underdog teams or teams that you wouldn't expect to be in the position that they're in right now playing good. So if you're Braves management, you have to, again, decide is this team worth gambling on? or not because you don't want to you don't want to buy in and not get the payoff that you want because then it's just a waste of money so i think the braves have to be buyers if it's not at the deadline then it has to be over the offseason because this team is too good to be sitting in third place in an overrated division yeah i i totally agree it's usable in my opinion this team is too good that like, you cannot you cannot tell me that you can't buy another relief arm or send or sell some of these other guys like Minter or Newcomb or Jacob Webb or get them off for maybe some prospects or maybe even sell your prospects. It's just, I think it's our inability to sell the right people at the right time. So again, the Braves, the Braves performance has been unacceptable and it needs to change soon because again, because now we're in the, because now our World Series window is here. It's right there. But we have to make we have to build up the team to get us there. And we can. But I don't know if it'll be this year. But. Yeah, I mean, it's rough because last year, I mean, you were really a few key players away from winning or going to the World Series, winning the NL pennant. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you're sub-500. And it's really – I mean, yet you lost a few bullpen arms. Uh, you know, Melanchthon is having a really good year. And you lost a few other pieces, but it's for the most part the same team. Just not to take into account, Ozuna is also not there as well. Like Ozuna probably is never playing a game again in the MLB for what he's done. Yeah, that's 
or nor should he be allowed to play again. Like they're not, if the MLB can't support a, an abuser, I mean, there are rumors that his wife was abusing him as well, but then again, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, then again, that makes you think why stay with her, but it's, it, yeah. The whole situation because it's like that stuff you can never predict. It's like when you mm-hmm. sign Ozuna mm-hmm. in the offseason, you're looking at talent. You're looking at, you know, Ozuna just had an amazingly good year. Mm-hmm. And then it just things happen with these guys. And sometimes, you know, you know, guys just don't have the best personality and you, you just lose that talent. And from a team perspective, that hurts you a lot. And it, and it has been, I think, you know, since that is developed and we'll see what happens with that. It's it's a horrible situation, obviously, with Ozuna. But you're kind of talking about teams, a lot of teams in the NL that have been unexpected. The king of those teams are the mm-hmm. Giants. Good. Obviously, the mm-hmm. Giants have just been ridiculous this year. Mm-hmm. And they're the first team to 50 wins. I think they still have the best record in baseball, uh, as mm-hmm. we speak. I believe so, yeah. So, Henry, how have the Giants been doing it? I mean, they've had some good pitching. They've had some decent bats. Timely hitting, yeah. Timely hitting. What are your impressions of the Giants, and is this sustainable in that crowded NL West? Because before I let you go on, this division was already considered one of the best in baseball with the Dodgers and Padres. And then the Giants come, and they're better than these two teams? Yeah, or playing better. They're really going to be right there at the All-Star break. I mean, let's face it. Like, it's not like after April, it was kind of like, okay, it's April. Maybe they were hot, whatever. And then after May, it's like, well, they're all right. And here we are at the end of June. And it's like, okay, the Giants are here to stay. Would you agree with that? I think right now, yeah, you can say they're here to stay. Again, like you said, is it sustainable? I I don't know. I really don't. Because, I mean, this team is, again, built off of the starting pitching. If you look at the team, like Kevin Gossman has just come out of the ashes and has been reborn. Like, he's literally playing like in, like a National League ace. Like, that's how good he's been. You have guys, like, also stepping up, like Johnny Cueto, I don't know if they saw Jeff Samarja, but their their rotation's been amazing for them. That's what's been a key success for them. And, I mean, if we're talking about their lineup that's been timely, Brandon Crawford just decided this year that he was going to hit for power and no one could stop him. Where did that come from? Exactly. My whole life, you know, he's really been on – he's been the Giants shortstop almost ever since I started watching baseball. And he's always been Mr. Defense, and he still is. He's still Mr. Defense. But, like, he's never shown signs of being able to do what he's done this year. It for pop, he just, like he has this year? You know. He is just absolutely raking. And that you talk yeah, about this one. rotation. I mean, let me read you off. You know, there are four main guys in their ERAs. It's incredible. Gosman has been their ace. Yeah. 1-4-9 ERA. Mm-hmm. He has one of the best pitches in baseball with that splitter. Yeah. Uh, and the four, and the four-seam fastball has been one of the best pitches, uh, according to StatCast. And then you have Di Sclafani. Who Anthony Slavani kind of, has been very good for them as well. He yeah. kind of also has risen from the ashes. I remember him on the Reds. He was yeah. – I never He's thought like he had anything in him. And here he is in 2021, 291 ERA. Uh, he's been really good at limiting home runs like this whole staff. Johnny Cueto, 363, 
kind of showing signs of being what he was back five, six years ago. And he's not quite there, but he has had really good outings. He's been a guy that you can kind of eat up innings. And he was hurt for a little bit, but 12 starts, 12 really good starts for him. And then uh, Alex Wood, who they signed this offseason, sub four ERA. And he hasn't, he's been really their worst starter. With a 391 ERA. And that's telling you something. That's telling you something. I mean, I was talking about the Red Sox earlier. I think their best starter, that's roughly their ERA, 391. And Alex Wood is their like fourth guy. Yeah, he's under four. I mean, and that's how you compete with good teams like the Dodgers and Padres who look like they can just overpower you offensively. You get really good pitchers and maybe guys that don't have the stuff because sometimes. The guys who throw 98 and have the incredible hook curveball and a nasty slider, right? Can't control they have it. The good stuff, but they can't control it. They can't exactly. throw strikes. Exactly. All of these guys have really good walk rates. They are not walking guys. They're not giving free passes. They're not leaving pitches in the heart of the zone. And they have pretty good stuff as well. Obviously, Gosman has two of the best pitches in baseball. So I love this pitching staff. And offensively, they haven't been one of the better teams in baseball, but with the time we hit they game, have you have Yaz heating up. Yastrzemski's Yaz, Alex Dickerson. They have power bats. Like they have bats to contend with guys like with the with the Dodgers and the and the Padres. If like you just look at their lineup, they have Alex Dickerson. Longoria has been pretty good. He's Longoria has played good. Um, Yaz, Brandon Belt is I mean, really Brandon good. Belt can show some pop as well. I mean, uh, you know, who also has been pretty good. Uh, not too many at bats, but uh. I remember watching when the Cubs were playing the Giants. Lamonte Wade Jr., rookie. Yeah, Lamonte Wade. Really, but he's slugging kind of 527. Out. He has a 146 one runs uh, weighted runs created plus, WRC plus. Um, I mean, this is a team that's been getting it done. Yeah, somehow. No one, I, I, I thought they'd be decent this year, maybe like somewhere around 500, a little below mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. They've surpassed everyone's expectations yeah exactly. i love what held it till the all-star break which is even more surprising yeah and now do you think they win the division because i think they'll make the playoffs i think (laughs) there's almost no question about that but with the dodgers and the padres can they stay on top is that possible again i think it's a still i think oh god (laughs) i think it's a huge question mark just because i mean you're putting all this trust into pretty cheap and easy to get starting pitching. And I, I mean, that's what's been working for them. Kevin Gossman, Anthony DiSclefani, Cueto, and Alex Wood are not big, like, starting arms like Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg that you're going to have to pay a lot of money. These are cheap, quality pitchers, and they're playing amazing. So you kind of have to just hope that they can continue to ride on their hotness because, again, that's been their – success or their key to success has been the starting pitching and occasional hitting from their power guys like Yaz, Dickerson and Crawford. Yeah. So I still think it's a big question mark for them to carry it or carry on their um, just successful season as a whole. But I definitely think they could sneak into the wild card. But then again, you have to consider the Dodgers might not be the team to take first. They could be the Padres. The Padres with the team they built up, they could take back first in a heartbeat like that. So, again, it's a big question mark. I think the Giants have played amazing. They, 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 they definitely have shown that they can be a driving force in the NL West when asked to, and they've shown it. So I definitely think they can sneak into the 
to the wild card if they continue to play like this. But will they win the division? I don't know. You just have to hope. You just have to see if they can. But. I'm honestly going to err on the side of no winning the division because you look at the Dodgers and they're just yeah. starting it's to just get a lot to, guys back. A lot to try to sustain. I mean, Bellinger just got back. I mean, Muncie's been really good. The rotation, I think you have guys that are just now starting to heat up. Like Walker mm-hmm. Cooler has been pitching really well. Although he did just have his first he loss. He suffered his first loss, yeah. yeah which is uh, against the Cubs, which we will be talking about that game later. <laughs> so stay tuned. Um, but we're now, uh, I guess, a more serious note. And this was real. I don't know if you saw the video, Henry. Um, but Josh Naylor, who's been having a really good year for the Indians. He's been a guy who's shown up in clutch spots. Um, he had a pretty nasty injury. Did, did you see that, Henry? No, I did not. This is actually kind of new news to me. So, well, I, I'm not exactly sure what the. I, I I don't think they know the timetable or some of the exact details. But what was happening? I think him in the second baseman. He's he was in right field, running out for the same ball, and they collide. I guess there must have been communication error, and it looks like first of all, he, Naylor's knee kind of collided with the other guy's knee, and then he goes flying, and I. Honestly, Henry, I don't know if you should watch the video because it is <laughs> gruesome. Pretty, gr- I mean, his ankle when he lands on the ground. I'll just put it this way: it's not supposed <laughs> to twist like it twisted. Yeah, and so. I, you know, Josh Naylor's been having a really good year. He's been a good power bat for the Indians, who have been pretty successful. And um, it's always tough to see a huge injury like that because um, he's probably going to be sidelined for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Possibly even more. Um, if I, I hate it, you know it. Yeah, it's it, always sad. It's really, really tough. It always reminds me as a I'm a Bulls fan in basketball. Shifting gears is a, for a second. You know, Derrick Rose uh, <laughs> and his injury. You know, whenever that happens, injuries, <laughs> injuries for real. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it really breaks your heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, always, it always does when you're hurting your knee in any shape or form or even ankle. Cause that, again, that can just destroy a mess you up athlete's career. Cause you have to drive off of that leg every single time you're playing any sport. So, yeah, I mean, you can just hope that Josh Naylor recovers and gets back to what he's been doing best. And that's been mashing baseballs into souvenir city. So, yeah. I absolutely. And uh, now as the all-star break is approaching, and the All-Star Game is approaching in Colorado and Denver. Um, me and uh, Henry and I, I was to say me and Henry, that is not good grammar. I corrected myself. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're going to we're gonna just give you guys our All-Star ballots. And we're going to review them for you guys. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just going to kind of do a little review of uh, what we were filling out. And I got to pull it up here. I have it in my notes. And, all right, here we are. And uh, we'll just go position by position and – if we agree, we'll maybe talk about it a little bit. If we disagree, we'll talk about it a little more. So uh, let's start <laughs> with the American League and catcher. Catcher, who is your uh, who's your all star catcher for the AL? Um, I don't know um, if a lot of these American League catchers I think would have made the All Star game if they weren't for the voting. Besides, like Salvador Perez, like Grandal's been okay. Like he's been good, but. It's been a weird year for Grandal. It's been a weird year for catchers in the AL. But I went with Salvador Perez. I just feel like he's the obvious choice there. I mean, he's played 
he's played pretty solid for the uh, Royals this year. I mean, the stats definitely say he's better than the other two candidates. I forget who the yeah. other one was besides Grendel. Yeah, I think it was Grendel and maybe Murphy. Yeah. I, I think – but uh, Perez has been very good. Uh, he's also my American League catcher. He's getting lots of hits. He's been hitting the ball hard. He was looking on baseball savant. 99 percentile for hard hit percentage. So that's really good. That's uh, if you hit the ball 95 plus exit below. So that's really good for Salvi. And uh, what I will say, though, with the voting, the three finalists were, I believe, Perez, um, Grundahl, and Sean Murphy. But Gary Sanchez, who's been raking lately, was not a finalist. And I just wanted to point out, I, I, I think I would still put Perez over him, but when I was looking at the stats, like his stats are comparable to Perez. Some better. Some of the advanced stats, he is over Perez. So kind of a highway robbery and a surprise that Sanchez mm-hmm. wasn't there because the Yankees probably have the biggest fan base out of all. So yeah. I don't know how he it's didn't get there. Yeah. Kind of puzzles me a little bit, but uh, he also deserves consideration and deserves to be on the all-star team, even if he's not a starter. We'll move on to first base for the AL, and I, I don't think we have to talk about this one too much. Yeah, uh, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I uh, would assume is your pick. No, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> no, <laughs> it has it had to be it had to be. Vladimir. I was gonna say I was like, wait a second, Henry, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. wait, it has to be Vlad. I mean, this guy might win MVP. Oh, I, I think right now. He seriously might win MVP with yeah. how he's hitting the baseball. Like he's leading the league in homers, I think, right now. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's playing up. He's finally starting to play up to what he was supposed to be playing up to when he first came up to the league, and it's nice to see his. It's Vlad, man. It's Vlad. It's Vlad, Vladdy, it's Vladdy, because Vladdy. <laughs> that was a pretty <laughs> bad rhyme, but it's okay. No, I mean, I, I think he is the obvious choice for first base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There have been some good guys, but there's no Ray one. Has been pretty good. There's no one in the atmosphere that Vladimir Guerrero is in the whole. Well, the forget AL, forget first baseman. Mm-hmm. There's hardly anybody that's competitive with him offensively in all of baseball. Uh, he's been a beast. There's not too much to really say or debate about with that. He's the guy. Second base was pretty interesting, though. Mm-hmm. For me, it was Second base of- as a whole in the freaking All Star ballot was. Yeah, that, that was tough for me. Uh, you, know, you have Altuve, he's been really good. Madrigal, who's been had a surprisingly good year, really helping the White Sox yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, young guy. And then Simeon, who has found a home in Toronto. Um, who is your guy? Because this was tough for me. <laughs> I went with Simeon just because I think if we're going off of what he's been doing this year, he had a really good uh, month of May. Or Sorry, no. Was it? Yeah, month of May. So Simeon, I, I I think he's really like stepped up. Like his power game, his defense has been very good as well. He's he's given another bat to that already stacked Blue Jays lineup, and I think he's I think he's just a little bit better than guys like Altuve and Madrigal. Yeah. So I I took Altuve and Altuve. Yeah, you know, obviously the Astros. It's is, a tough decision. It was, it was a very, Oh yeah. I mean, for me, uh, when I was looking at it, um, Altuve struck out less, 
He had more power, more home runs, and a lot of other the advanced stats. I think he leads <laughs> Simeon. But, you know, Simeon has had an incredible year and also got to give him credit defensively that he's shifted because he was not a second baseman going into this year. The Blue Jays needed a second baseman because Bichette is obviously at shortstop. He's their guy. Mm-hmm. He signed with them knowing he was going to be the second baseman, and he's really shined on both sides of the field. So yes. that's been really impressive, and that deserves credit for Simeon. I think Altuve, though, offensively, hard to argue for what he's been doing, and I feel like he's been coming up in clutch moments for the Astros, yes. helping them win a lot of close games. So Altuve's my guy for second base in the AL. Again, it's, it's, I think it's kind of like a flip of a coin at second base. It you is. You could it go without Tuve or Semyon, and you could have logical reasoning for picking those. Yeah. Like, it, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, they've both been really good. Third base. Third, third base. base for the AL. Henry, who do you have? Who do you have for third? I think this is going to be a shocking pick, but I went with Yohan Moncada. Oh, interesting. Why? I'm kind of a Yohan Moncada fanboy. I'm kind of high on him. I mean... I probably shouldn't bring in MLB the show into this conversation, but I'm very good with him. Bring it into the conversation. Come on, do it. Uh, so I'm kind of high on him, not in real life, not just in real life, but in MLB the show. So, but I mean, he's also been very good for the White Sox as well. I mean, the fan votes help out a lot, and I mean that's obvious because I mean the fans dictate who gets to be put in the All Star game. Yeah. So, I mean. Yohan, I think, is definitely one of the brighter uh, young players in the league with his switch hitting ability and, yeah, pretty solid defense, good bat. I, I think he fits the fits the bill at third base for the All-Star game. But you probably don't think the same as me. I think you went with Devers, right? I did, yes. Devers is my guy. And I actually, last year, go, uh, for the 2020 season, I predicted him to be the MVP of the AL. And last year was rough for him, but wow. <laughs> Devers is kind of, yeah, that, that was a hot take for me. But very, he's very almost, hot. He's not quite there because there are some guys who are really doing well, but he is almost there. He's slugging yeah, he's 564. He has 18 home runs. The other day, he had a 450 foot nuke off of Garrett Cole. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm sure, you know, Jack, who isn't here today, was not happy about that. Sad Yankee fan noises. Yeah. Garrett Cole <laughs> minus Spider Tack. Very interesting. But um, yeah. But I, Devers has been phenomenal. Um, I, it's hard to argue with the pop that he's brought to that Sox lineup, and Moncada's been really good too. I love what he's been doing. Good at bats for him. Uh, high walk percentage. Lots of hits. Uh, also, I don't think he should be the starter. But highway robbery. Yeah. Ramirez is not a finalist. Jaram. So yeah. What happened there? Jaram uh, should be a finalist with how he's been playing. Yeah. I. I, I don't know. The fan voting, uh, it, it makes me very mad in a lot of regards. Yeah. A lot of guys who just should be there and just are not in the final. Are not there, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but uh, let's move on to shortstop. And I'm going to roll with another Houston Astro. You can hate me if you will, whatever. I, they, You can't argue with the numbers that these guys have brought. I have Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. He's been really good this year. It was very close, though, between Correa and Bogarts. Yeah. Um, a lot of numbers were kind of going different ways for both those guys. I took Correa because, one, offensively, the Astros as a team have been better, and Correa has been a huge part of that. You know, Altuve I talked about a little bit before, Correa has been huge. And, uh, you know, it's hard to argue 
with the pot that he's brought. If you pick Bogarts, though, that is totally it, okay. Like, it's, I, it's, I, I it's another flip of a coin. Like, it, it's the same with Semyon and Altuve. With Bogarts and Correa, you have the two best hitting shortstops in the league. Yeah. But I think Correa is the overall better shortstop just due to the defense. That he, you take Correa? I went with Bogarts. You went with Bogarts, okay. Just due to the sheer hitting aspect, I think Bogarts is without a doubt the best hitting shortstop in the league, and I think he shows it every year. He always hits above 300, usually. Always gets on base. Is a very good OPS yeah, I just I, I just like what he's been I just like what he's been doing this year and I, he's he's been a driving force for the Red Sox. He's one of the reasons why they're in first place right now. So I, I just think Bogarts is just the better pick over Correa. But again, if you're an MLB fan, I think it's a flip of a coin. There really is. I mean practically the same player with how they're playing. So I will say I'm glad I, I love Bogarts. I, he was my pick. I love Bogarts, and I'm so glad he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves. That he deserves, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like for a lot of years he's right up there with, you know, he's right up there with Correa. Yeah, but he's not talked about. Or Seager and Baez. Who, Here, yeah. Baez makes me very angry as a Cubs fan. Whatever. Um, I'm really happy Bogarts is recognition. <laughs> and for outfield – let let's do this. Let's just say the three guys that we have. Three guys, okay. uh, yeah. So for me, I'll go first. I have Mullins from the Orioles, Judge from the Yankees, and another Astro. I have three Astros in the starting lineup. Uh, and we have an Astros fan out here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of an Astros fan, but uh, they, you can't argue. I mean, it, their yeah. offense is the best in the league for a reason. Um, with Brantley, Correa, and Altuve leading the pack. But, yeah, I have Brantley, Judge, and Mullins for my outfield. How about you? I went with Byron Buxton, Cedric Mullins. I thought you weren't going to pick Cedric Mullins, but I, I'm very high on Cedric Mullins. He's been one of the most underrated players playing baseball right now. And then I feel like you have to throw him in here, Mike Trout. If Mike Trout comes back from injury, I feel like you have to have him play. Like, it's yeah. Mike Trout. You have to put him in the All Star game. Like, that's facts. That's facts. Okay. That's kind of you kind of have to do that. So All right. I was very close to putting Brantley over um, Buxton, but even though Buxton's kind of, I don't know if he's cooled off in a way, but he's he's still keeping up pace with I think maybe AL MVP voting with how he's been able to play. I mean, he still has phenomenal defense. His he's show off his power bat this year which has been a little bit inconsistent in the past but he's showing that he can hit for power and high average with Mullins he's been amazing for the Royals this year like he's I think he had a five hit game yeah uh, Mo- yeah Mullins first, Mullins first Royal to do it since Kyle Ripken yeah I mean you have some serious guys here uh, in the outfield yeah. you know I I think if Trout's healthy he cannot yeah. be in the game. I he think cannot. That's I, why I have him. If I, I put him over Judge, but with Judge, yeah. he's just had the power this year, and he, he's been really, really good. I didn't do Buxton because he has cooled off a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, I was. Um, That's why I considered Brantley for for a little bit. But. And uh, another issue, he's really only played in twenty seven games, mm-hmm. one hundred ten plate appearances. Yeah. So, so you're so you're basically looking at a small sample size. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, playing for, playing it. I, it's not that I don't think he can do it. Mm-hmm. I just think 
when guys are doing it for longer, almost like twice yeah. times as long as many plate appearances, yeah. it's tough to give it to Buxton. I love Buxton. He is one of my favorite players in the game. I love Buxton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was not on the list for me. Um, yeah, Brantley's been really good hitting for yeah. average, hitting not for much power, but it's okay because he's that's, just – That's who Brantley is. That's, that's who Brantley is. is. He's a base hit machine. It's on base, drives and oh my God. runs. That's who he and is. Mullins is – you know, you kind of look at him and you think he'd be like – Similar to Brantley, but he's also showed up with some power this year. Showing some power. Had some serious home runs. I think he has over 10 at least. I think so, he's yeah. Been he's been amazing. He's been incredible. And I, I it's kind of fun to put an Oriole because a lot of these guys yeah. I have are from winning teams. And then <laughs> you have like, <laughs> you have Cedric Mullins from the Orioles. But yeah, Mullins is my guy. I love Mullins. Um, Ori, uh, who is on the podcast, usually is an Orioles fan. So I'm sure he'd be happy with me for picking Mullins. But uh, Trout. We'll finally Trout. go with DH, and DH. this is pretty I, similar to Vlad. I don't think much debate here. Uh, the show give me some Otani San, Otani San. <laughs> yeah, get him on the team. No debate. I mean, Sh- yeah. Shohei has. I, I I think he has twenty six, but it very well could have been more since the last time I checked. Twenty six home runs. Seventeen doubles, um, eighteen doubles. Good lord, one thousand plus OPS, <laughs> and I mean, obviously, this is for DH. And I mean, I, honestly, I don't even know where to find his pitching stats because yeah, you have to, using, he'll be pitching too. He'll be pitching too. Yeah, in the this app that I'm using isn't even fit to show you hitting <laughs> and pitching stats. So Otani is breaking, breaking everyone's brains. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I need to find his pitching. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Give me a second, everybody. But I mean, it, it also brings up the fact that besides Vlad, the other person that is probably going to battle with him for AL MVP, it'll be Shohei. Yeah, I I so, give it to Shohei. I mean, what he's doing? Are you kidding me? I mean, he's like leading the league in home runs. Or he's right up there. I'm not sure if it's updated. Uh, he he's has the new Babe Ruth. He has two. <laughs> He literally is the new baby. ERA, like a three something FIP, uh, you know, a one one WHIP. He's I, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> it's it it break it just it breaks no. the laws of physics. <laughs> I mean, too good, man. Yeah, with uh, the fact that he can pitch. I don't it, think it's human. Play the outfield too. Like if, if they didn't, if he couldn't, if they wanted to take him out for a little bit on the mound, they could easily do it. And he could still put up the same numbers at the plate, which is even more insane. I mean, imagine, I mean, if he stays healthy, he could have like 20 some starts, a two something ERA and like 50 something home runs possibly. Yeah. That's that, not- I mean, if he does that, I, I think there's no question. He's the MVP. Um, but it's really in the AL between him and Vladdy. But uh, we'll move on to the NL now. And we'll do the same thing. Start with catcher, work our, work our way around the infield, and then go with the outfield. So I feel like this is pretty obvious. Yeah, catcher. It's pretty obvious who you're going with here. You kind of have to go with Buster Posey. Yep. Yeah. And Buster then, Posey has, I don't know how he's done it, but he has revitalized himself. And he is just absolutely destroyed baseballs he's hitting for average he's getting on base he's again he's we weren't talking about him i don't think enough in the giants segment but yeah that's true yeah I, he's, he's been a driving force for the giants 
and he's still Buster Posey behind the plate. I mean, exactly. You kill that guy. I mean, he's just added his bat. Yeah, he, he's added that yeah, bat. I mean, it's almost like that rookie year, Busty. Busty. Buster Posey. Busty. <laughs> <laughs> Busty. Like that guy has just returned. It's so exactly. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. He's been a huge part of that Giants team. Yeah, we I, we did not talk about him nearly enough in the Giants segment. Exactly. Let me give him one sixty six WRC plus, which is even higher than I thought it was. And even yeah. he's been getting some good recognition, not as much as he deserves. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's kind of the obvious choice here for catch. You have to. You have to pick. Now. Yeah. Somehow Wilson Contreras is uh, a fine. Yeah, he has not is. been good at all. I will say Cubs fans are so good. Uh, they'll yeah. just vote, they'll vote them into the game even if they no suck. matter what exactly like, like yeah. Contreras is a finalist <laughs> Doc Peterson is a finalist, uh, is a finalist. Yeah. I mean and I, I love him I'm a Cubs fan I, you know I love these guys but um no. they are not all-stars at no. all any <laughs> <laughs> regard but the Cubs fans are gonna show up it's okay mm-hmm. but um let's see now Max Muncie is my first baseman moving on to first base. I would assume he's yours as well. Nope. Actually, that is not the case. Okay. Who's your first? It's because I see my big man, Big Bird Fred. Freddie uh, fair enough. Fair I, have, enough. I have to put him in. Like, Braves fan in me. Like, I have to put him in. Fred's been heating up again. He's been heating up. He's he's playing like he was last year um, during the past week or so. So, I mean, I think Freddie – can maybe sneak into the all-star game. But if we're talking about full season wise, Muncie's better. Yeah. Stat wise, but again. Not surprised you let your Braves Braves fan in me is telling me I mean, Freddie beat me. Is after his MVP year last year, he's just mm-hmm. he's not been the same. He hasn't been the same. And you know, when you look at his stats, it's like when it, when it seems like a down year for Freddie Freeman, he's been pretty damn good. I mean, for a down year. For a down year, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that, Muncie He's kind of been what Freeman was last year. High on base yeah. percentage. High on base High percentage. Power. Power. Pretty good average numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in my opinion, he has the best eye in the league. If you know yeah, because I think that's one issue. I think that was one issue with him was his strikeout rate. He's He's been he's kind of known as the home run or nothing kind of guy with – pretty good def- with good defense. I mean, what's good with Muncie is that you can kind of move him around the infield. You can put him at first, second, and maybe even third base from time to time. So he has that versatility. And the fact that he's able to train his eye to or be able to train himself to take more pitches so he can at least get his way on base any, any way possible, whether it's a walk or a hard hit single or a double, he's doing that. And I think that deserves recognition. Yeah, him and Grandal have been the best two guys at taking walks. Exactly, yeah. I, I don't know if the statistics back that up specifically. I think Grandal is way above everybody, but Muncie just does that. that that's his, that's mm-hmm. been his game. You know, a lot of walks, and he'll even take pitches in the strike zone sometimes. Exactly, yeah. okay, if he doesn't like it, he'll take it, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. He knows what his pitch is, and when he gets his pitch, he's going to clobber it, and it's going to be a mm-hmm. double or a home run. Mm-hmm. And I love that about Muncie. He's been a beast this year. Second base. I'm going to go with another guy from a team that has been garbage this year. But this guy has not been garbage. Oh, no. Yeah, I think he leads the league in hits. I, I, I Last time I checked. High uh, average as well. I think High average. Henry. Or maybe even number one. High. Pretty good slug as well for a second baseman. 
Mm-hmm. Adam Frazier is I'm I'm sending him to the All Star game. That, that that is my decision. You have to send him to the All Star game. If if Adam Frazier is not in the All Star game, I don't know what's wrong with baseball fans or whatever that are, they just don't watch baseball. But man, Adam Frazier's been amazing. Slash line three thirty one four hundred one four seventy three, <laughs> and and only eleven percent strikeout rate. He is. Yeah. I love that putting the ball in play and doing. He's the classic. He's the classic leadoff man. That's what. That's the other thing I like yeah. about. He, he's the classic leadoff man. He doesn't really hit for a ton of pop, even though I think he's showing off is more of his swing. And, and you know, I'll game. say with the Pirates, obviously right now it's they're they suck. It's bad. It's but bad. <laughs> Brian Hayes, Adam Frazier, and then Brian Reynolds, who's been playing really well too. Brian Reynolds, I think who wasn't a finalist for the All Star should have been. Um, the Pirates have some pieces. I mean, do, I, I don't know if you saw Brian Hayes. Yeah, Cabrera is amazing. You see that yeah. play he made in St. Louis? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, at third base, I wasn't at the game when he made that throw to first, but I saw it and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, I mean, he literally made Nolan Arenado look like a child on that one play. <laughs> play. But, yeah. They have pieces. I don't disagree. They have pieces. They do. I, I, and I they build off of them and not trade them away. Who knows? <laughs> that would be so sad if you have all those three guys and they're all gone. I mean, they traded Josh Bell when he was hot. Over I there. know. Yeah. I mean, he he's been struggling this year. Yeah, that's true. But, Third base though for the NL. Um, I, I think it's you know who I'm going with here. My favorite player, even though he's been struggling <laughs> lately, he's been a beast and he's honestly played. You know, he hasn't just played third base. He has played right field. He's played first base. He's played center, left field. He's been everywhere. Chris Bryant is my guy. He's been so valuable for the Cubs. And in that early part of the year where they were winning games, he was the reason why. He yeah. was so big for the Cubs. And he has been struggling lately, but he's still my guy. I love KB. KB. I'm sending him to the All-Star game. How about you? Um, Chris Bryant, I was considering picking this for third base. Picking him for third base. Uh, I mean, he's been he's been amazing. He's been, I think, raising up his trade value and whatnot. And I'm I'm yeah. hoping to hope I want to see him in a Braves uniform at some point. I hope we oh. do. I hope we do. That'd be nice to see him. Him or, he or JRM. I want to see either one of them in a Braves uniform. But I went with Nolan Arenado, just because right now, I mean, third base in the NL is kind of hard to pick because I think the three main candidates. I think it was him. Um, KB and Justin Turner, I don't, all three, I don't think are like on fire right now, or at least like swinging, good, swing, yeah, swinging a good bat right now. So I just went with Nolan Arenado just off of the sheer, like, um, defensive level and just power potential that he, that he already has. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like a coin flip since they're, since he and KB are on somewhat of a cold streak, but yeah. Definitely understand putting KB in there just for the work yeah. to put in this year, which makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's see. Moving on now. Shortstop. Shortstop. This is – I. there are a few of these picks that let's just like, yeah, I, I, I think we know who the guy's going to be. I mean, at least for me, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, Tatis. Tatis. There, there's no yeah. – um, Tatis has been a beast, man, and what I will say, uh, I don't think there's much to say about Tatis, to be honest. I mean, he's been right up there with home runs. He's been staying pretty healthy. I mean, you know, the injury's been a bit of an issue, but more healthy than I 
I thought uh, he's a very injury prone player. So if he stays healthy, he's one of the best players in baseball. A shortstop yeah. that can hit for power and playing pretty good defense, even though like a defense on the field. Yeah. Otherwise, he's still making uh, you know some of the advanced statistics, some really good plays. So Tatis is really good. He's my shortstop, but uh, where is Trey Turner in the finalist? Exactly. Where 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 did he how go? Dare, how dare they? Did how he, dare they snub my boy Trey Turner? I I don't know if he just like my guy him. has just absolutely like transformed his game. I don't know what he has done in the off season, but he just decided I'm going to work on my hitting and I'm going to prove everyone wrong and show mm-hmm. I have a bat. Trey Turner, when he first he came showing out, it off, like, I thought he'd be like a typical like DC speed, defensive, a lot of speed, maybe yeah. contact, get you like maybe something. Yeah, and that's what he was. Batting average, that's what he was. And now all of a sudden, I mean, three ten batting average. He's not walking too much. He's three sixty on base. The slug is four eighty seven. OPS is almost nine hundred. Uh, he's been a beast and home runs. And I, you know, I love Baez. I love Baez. He's my guy. He's a Cubs dude, but no. he has the home runs over Turner, but he was a fighter trade Turner. and almost every other stat Turner has him. He wins easy. almost every other stat. I mean, Baez last night, um, let me just give this to you. First pitch. I think it was either a changeup or a slider in the dirt swings at it. Strike one. And then you get a fastball up, swings at it, strike two. Neither of those pitches in the strike zone. And then he gets a fastball right down the middle, and he takes it, it for strike three. I mean, this guy has not been having good at bats. Like, <laughs> he's the league in strikeouts. But that tells you all you need to know about Baez this year. If he gets a good pitch and a good count, he's going to smash it, and it's going to be like 500 feet, whatever. That's great. <laughs> But Turner has been so much more consistent, and he's only three home runs behind Baez. So and everything else says he wins. Everything else says he wins. Everything else. Everything else. Defense, speed, all the other hitting stats. Um, Mm -hmm. So Turner's been really good. That's a snub that he's not a finalist. It's a very big snub. But honestly, I hope that motivates him to continue to play how he is playing. Oh yeah, I mean the Nationals kind of surging. They really need those. They need him. They need him. They need Bell to get back on track. They need Soto to do what he does. Turner to do what he does. I mean, Schwarber. Guys, Schwarber, and, you know, ridiculous. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. But, um, finally, here with the NL All Stars, we'll go through three three outfielders. Just list them. I'll let you go first here. Uh, Okay. So, you know, I go with my boy Ronald Acuna. Oh, yeah. No question. Possible future MVP with how he's been playing. Um, he's been playing amazing. Nothing else needs to be said. He's Acuna. Um, and then I don't know if you picked um, these two guys, but I went with Castellanos and Jesse Winker. We are match. We are simpatico. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, we are, <laughs> we are yeah. the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, Winker. I love Winker. He, yeah. I, like, honestly – you should never throw a righty to that guy because he's one of the best guys at right-handed pitching. And you know what? Castellanos is kind of the opposite. He's one of the best hitting lefty. lefty pitching. And that's why those that the Reds, you wonder, you know, why they aren't better offensively as a team. Because, he, he, you know, it's, it's impossible to game plan against him. When you mm-hmm. have Winker and Castellanos, one of them is one of the best hitting righties. One of them is one of the best hitting lefties. 
I mean, Castellanos can hit both sides very oh, yeah. well. He's gotten a lot better hitting righties, I will say. He's yeah. gotten a lot better. He's been really good. Um, and these are two guys that, you know, have been in the MVP conversation. I don't think they're that guy, but they've been up there. And Winker, I he had a good year last year. I thought it could have been a little fluky, but now it's not. It's Winker's a star. He's proven that he's one of the best hitters in the league. He's already proven that. They're two years. They're two straight years of just absolutely clobbering baseballs, getting on base, and for average driving in runs. He's proving he is one of the best hitters in the in the league today. Absolutely. And uh, now that so the, that's our complete All Star ballots. They don't have yeah. pitchers on the ballot, which kind of sucks when you think about it. Yeah, I don't get why that wasn't a thing. But I, I wish they did that. But um, we'll see. I guess sometime next week what the results are for the All-Stars. So hopefully our votes uh, count for something. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. But, uh, watch watch uh, Bios. We're now going to run through a few teams, and we're, we're getting close to the end here, but we're going to run through a few teams <laughs> that are kind of hovering near 500, could be buyers, could be sellers. We're going to make the decision and maybe highlight some needs that each team has. Nationals, buyers, or sellers, Henry. I say sellers. I want. I want to. I really think they might sell. If I'm being honest, I don't think they have, like team wise. I don't know if they have enough to sustain a potential run in the NL East. And I still think that they're kind of on the verge of rebuilding. Like they're close, but they're not fully there yet. I don't know. That might just be me. Because I mean, if you if you think about it, Scherzer's getting older, and they've already talked about uh, trading him. In, early on in the year, like they've already, I think, been discussing possible like um, trade talks with about um, Scherzer. I don't know about Strasburg. Strasburg, I could still see being there for a little bit longer, but I think they've been contemplating a possible like rebuild, a possible rebuild. So I think the Nationals will end up deciding soon if they are going to head down that path. And I think by the deadline, they will have made the decision. I think they're going to sell. Interesting. I mean, I, I disagree with you, actually, there. I I think two weeks ago, I agree with you. Two weeks ago, <laughs> I think the Nationals are selling. But, man, have they been hot. I mean, they have yeah, just been winning hot. baseball games. And the NL East was supposed to be this powerhouse division, like the NL West, almost, with a ton of really, really good teams. The Mets aren't too far ahead of them. The Nationals are three games back of the division. So, with that in mind... You can add maybe a few relievers. Maybe I, I, I can imagine them maybe getting one of the infielders from the Diamondbacks, like uh, Escobar or Escobar, yeah. Cabrera back, who has been really good and played for the Nationals, I think almost two or three times. Like he's been on the Nationals a bunch of times in his career, but, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, the Nationals have been surging. They're three games back in the division, and that division is very much up for grabs. If the Nationals can yeah. through those holes, uh, you know, in the infield, get maybe get like a second baseman, maybe fill the third base hole. Which would be Escobar. We, yeah, which would be Escobar. Yeah. They could really be in that race with the Mets. The Mets have that good pitching, but those offensive pieces haven't been where they're supposed to be. Alonzo hasn't been what he's supposed to be. Lindor has been struggling all year. I think the Nationals could easily win that division. And as when you're in the playoffs – Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Hey, 2019 Nationals is a perfect example. 
Yeah. And, uh, we talked about the Braves a little bit earlier. You said you think they're still in buy mode, even though they, sh- they should they should be thinking about it. They should at least be thinking about being in buy mode. They should be, but if they aren't in a position to be uh, possible like uh, playoff contenders, then I think you kind of just sit there. So, so you think it's either buy or I'm I'm on the fence. Buy. I'm on the fence. If I'm being honest, I think we should be buying, but. I think they're also kind of waiting to see uh, if this team can ride or if they can ride out with the team that they have. I don't think they should be doing it. I think they should be buying right now. But if we're talking about by the time we get to the deadline and we just haven't done anything, I think we're just not going to buy. Because it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a complicated situation. I definitely think no sell. I don't think it's no sell. I don't think we're going to sell uh, anyone, but. Yeah, that would be dumb. Just, I mean, it, yeah. That window is not closed yet. It's not. It's, I think it's very much wide open. We just have to. We just have to play like play like that NL pennant type team. We can beat. We just have to build up a better team, which we can do. But I don't know if we're going to be doing that this year. If if it's not at the deadline, it'll be in the off season because this season again has been an utter embarrassment. <laughs> but yeah. I, so now I'm going to go – I went with your team. Now mm-hmm. we're going to kind of head to uh, my team. Cubs uh, Alley. Chicago Cubs, the Cubbies, and I'm going to go with bye. And bye. it's been lately – because before – after the month of May that the Cubs had, mm-hmm. it kind of seemed like, yes, we're buying. They were in first place. They were vibing, whatever. Mm-hmm. They have been cold. The 3-7 and seven in their last 10, they've lost four straight games. Not ideal, and if they keep going down, maybe stay, compl- you know, maybe even sell. But um, I think if you're in a position to win that division or make a run, if you're within like five games of the division at the deadline, you got to buy. And the Cubs, yeah, yeah, the obvious need right now is starting pitching. Uh, they dealt Darvish in the offseason. And, and it's funny when you think about it, the Cubs really need a good pitcher, a good starting pitcher, and a good backup catcher. We traded away this offseason Victor Caratini, who's been, been good really here. good this year for San Diego, mm-hmm. and you Darvish. So, you know, that, that makes me very angry, but it's okay. Uh, I, I think possible suitors for the Cubs, maybe Kyle Gibson, who's been ridiculous. Yep. Been really, Excellent. really good. Um, here, let me just take a look up here. Uh, Danny Duffy, who's been really good for the Royals. Good lefty arm. Cubs would very much need that. Uh, maybe even some guys from the Rockies, Gray and Marquez. Yeah, Marquez, yeah. Marquez could could be very high asking price. I think Gray would be a little bit lower. Yeah, because the Marquez, Cubs, Marquez the, is their biggest like selling piece. Yeah. Marquez, he's been very good. Chuck Nasty. Well, you never know when you could get a guy at Coors Field, and then you get him out of that environment, and they really flourish. Exactly. And the thing the Cubs don't want to do is give up too many prospects because it is, I think, buy mode, but it's not like 2016 where it was like, yeah, no, buy, not. put in everything, yeah, trade for like Chapman. It, it's it's not that situation at all. The Cubs need to be very careful in which prospects they deal. We've actually had their number two, arguably their number one prospect, Brennan Davis, on this show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that episode. That was yeah, really no. Yeah, he's been on chatter from the cheap seats. 
he's a guy that you just can't deal. He's so talented. And um, other guys like, um, you know, Miguel Amaya, our, our catcher, he's a prospect. Because of a lot of good prospects, the farm system had gotten better over the past few years. You can't ruin that by buying this year. So I think <laughs> whatever they will be adding will be marginal. Like, I don't think it's, they're going to be getting, like, Max Scherzer or anything if he becomes available. That's not going to happen. But, you know, a Danny Duffy, a Michael Pineda, that's a possibility. Yeah, Michael Pineda, yeah. Yeah, he has yeah, good stuff for high upside. There um, are lots of pretty cheap uh, pitching. All right, so we're getting near the end here. Yankees, are we going to be uh, saying they're, they're going to be buying or selling? As the Yankees as the Yankees organization moves down the season or continues through the season, I think they can buy. Interesting. I don't I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't even know. Like even as I say that, I don't even know if I fully believe it myself. Cause it's like their teams are already very good on paper. Like they don't really need to get people. It's yeah. just kind of them performing. Like, that, that's all it is. So even if it comes down to the deadline, who are they going to, who are they going to trade? They don't need to. Maybe. Yeah, they don't I, really need to get rid of anyone. I, and if I, they were, it would be just small pieces that don't really affect the team. I think the Yankees are an organization that never really has to do that kind of stuff. Exactly, because they, 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 they never really have to sell. And if they need, and not if they need, DNA. Yeah, and if they need, and if they need to buy, they can easily do it because they already have the national pedigree of uh, the best baseball, win, winning baseball organization in history what i will say though with the yankees is that what i will say is they've been buying for a while oh yeah a while been buying. Yeah. You, you buy stanton you get garrett cole chapman you buy back from the cubs and mm-hmm. you know has has it worked you had a good year in 17 but i'd call the last two years to this point a failure 2020 you made the playoffs but you would not have made the playoffs if it was a normal seating bracket Sure. This year, you're currently in fourth place in the AL East, which is it's yeah. a good division, yes, but you're only two games over the 500 mark. That's not where this team should be. So yeah. I think selling should be in their – I think it should be in their thoughts. I think they're a team that doesn't necessarily have to, but yeah, they they're always valuable, and you have guys with value that you could trust. I mean, because obviously it, it isn't working. Mm-hmm. I mean, and soon enough, some of these guys will be free agents again. You got to think, is it time to knock it all over? I think, I don't think it is yet. Yeah. If yeah, you're Cashman, if you're Cashman in the Yankees, you have got to start thinking about that because this whole project, uh, this whole group of guys, it's at the point where maybe it just hasn't worked. So that's where it is. I'm sure Jack will have some thoughts. And uh, if you're listening, we'll be talking with him later you know next week and the weeks following about that but we're not going to be moving on to just talking about baseball last week we're, we're going to go as always henry's going to make some picks as well position player of the week pitcher of the week game of game the week. series to watch and then we'll be out of here unfortunately so position player of the week i'll let henry go first and uh, yeah i felt like i had to go with kyle schwartz Kyle Schwarber this past week just made every single headline in baseball. Like every single headline. Yeah. He was hitting dingers left and right. I think in 
like three games, she had like five homers. It, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's insane how, how hot he was last week. Every, every time he came up to the plate, you can almost like just predict, oh, he's hitting that one 500 feet to right field. You already know. He's had so many multi-home run games, too. It's yeah, he's had a lot, too. I mean, that's why he's also like in the top five in home runs in the NL now. Just yeah. that hot streak, he's, he's just up there. So, I mean, Schwarber definitely deserves to be position player of the week, in my opinion, with how he swung the twig last week. I just think it's without a doubt him. Yeah, man. I mean, Schwarber was really swinging it well. Uh, I'm going with a different guy, though. I'm going different with guy? Yeah, uh, Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, Jake Cronenworth. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. Um, he had a very like, 300, 400 something WRC plus, which is yep. mm-hmm. that I've been relying on, as you can see, a lot more. I'm starting a to uh, like those advanced analytics. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, also like the league in Woba. That's a fun one to say. Woba. What? Mm-hmm. Woba. Uh, only three strikeouts that week. Um, all year he's been really good at avoiding the strikeout. Nine for yeah. 23, four home runs, two doubles. What a week for Cronenworth. He's been a big part of that good Padres team uh, and a good defender all year. Very good. Cronenworth is a very quiet role player. And he can pitch. He can pitch. He did in college. So, (laughs) not that he has, but. Yeah. I mean, again, again, he is is a very quiet role player on that team. He's a huge part of that team. But he makes a huge impact. Quiet. He does does a little bit of everything for them, which is massive. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and now pitcher of the week. Henry, you live in the St. Louis area. I'm Mm -hmm. going with a St. Louis Cardinal who is a guy as a Cub fan I've kind of despised growing up, but, man, has he been pretty solid this year, eating up innings for the Cardinals. Two starts this week, two wins. He had a complete game against the Braves, which was a, a doubleheader, but I'm still going to count it as a complete game, seven and nine game. Sorry to do it to you, Henry. Uh, weekly stat line for him. Two games, 13 innings, 19 strikeouts, only two earned runs, nine hits, and only four walks. So very good week for Wayne Wright, and you know. he's been very serviceable, I'd say, for the Cardinals um, in a rotation that has been a little bit lackluster. He's been pulling his weight. Pulling his weight? I don't disagree. I mean, he's also like shown that he has a lot left in the tank, which yeah. I, which I, which I definitely yeah. expect. Yeah. like, if you if you consider like. Um, with all the free agent talks with him and being traded, like the pat, like the trade talks, free agent talks the last few years, like you have to question or had to keep asking yourself, is Wainwright still able to continue to pitch at a high level in the major leagues at like 38 or 39 years old? And he's shown that. I think he's one of their best pitchers right now. Yeah, seriously. I mean, when Flaherty's healthy, obviously – yeah, mm-hmm. Flaherty's the guy, but Wainwright's been right up there. I mean, Martinez has been shaky, and then besides that, you're kind of relying on some depth pieces, I'd say, unless there's anyone missing Miles Mikolas, who's been kind of, I think, dealing with health. Um, but uh, yeah, Wainwright's been very good. Good week for him. Mm-hmm. Henry, throwing it back to you. Who's your pitcher yeah. of the week? I week? felt like you kind of have to throw him in here again. Another solid week for the greatest pitcher in the league right now, Jacob Degrom. You have to throw him out there. Um, I mean, he literally he went one and zero in this past week. Had a um, no decision in his last start, but went there. 
I, I, I'll yep, talk yep. about it a little bit. But. <laughs> one, 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 uh, went uh, a few solid innings, gave up a hit and a few runs, but he is, again, the ERA is still under one. It's at 069. Nice. <laughs> this is episode 69. Yeah, episode 69 for Chatter with the Cheap Seats. So it makes sense. It all fits in together. It all fits in Coming together now. Yeah, no, but um, whip. The, whip. the whip is amazing. Still at oh, still at point five three. I was yeah. I I was at his last start actually. I we went up to New York, um, against the Phillies, and it was it's just hilarious. It's like his worst <laughs> outing of the year. He had yeah. like it was six innings, two or and that was not a bad outing. It was I not a bad it. outing at all. And it I I love that you still picked him for pitcher of the week because it shows you even on this guy's. Worst outing of the year, which is still very good. He's still still the best in the league. He's just – DeGrom is amazing. And it was so – man, to see him pitch was something else. I got to, like, watch him pretty close up, warm up, do that routine. And I sort of got to see his bullpen, although it was kind of obscured by a sign. But um, it was pretty incredible to watch, hearing the pop of the glove. Uh, Just knowing that he's the best in the world at what he does. It's pretty cool to watch anyone like that. DeGrom is the guy. Love DeGrom. What's even more amazing, if I can continue talking about DeGrom, is like he's getting better with age. And he's like 33. He's getting better with age. As he progresses through his career, he's getting better. He's getting better. I mean, that's what's even more insane. He's getting better. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but his whip, his whip is right now, his whip is the lowest it's ever been. His ERA is the lowest it's ever been by far. Oh, it's ever been. His average. Well, and like when you look at like the physical numbers in 2015 16, he was sitting mid 90s, which is great. I mean, that's very good for a starter. And then he Mm -hmm. works his way up 96, 97. Last year was like 98. He's hitting 99. And, you know, he's really basically sitting 100. I mean, he's throwing 100 more than any other starting pitcher, and it's not even close. And there's some guys that's like, he's the best in the world of what he does, but it's close. Like LeBron James. Like the GOAT conversation is very close. It's a big debate. But with DeGrom, there's no debate. There's no, no debate. There's no he's debate the best all. in the world. He's the best pitcher in the world. He is the best. Now we're, uh, speaking of good pitching, Henry. Speaking of good pitching, the Cubs, <laughs> the Cubs had yeah. some good pitching in, in our game. Our game of the week, it was the Cubs and the Dodgers. Cubs were in L.A., and, uh, man, I I, I was watching this game. Zach Davis was on the hill, and they were facing Walker Bueller. And I was kind of hoping about this game. I was like, like, well, you know, we'll take a loss. Walker Bueller's been really hot. Davies has been all right, you know, but we'll probably lose this game. Zach Davies walks a lot of guys. I think we walked eight yeah. guys in this combined no-hitter, which is a lot. But uh, he's putting it where they couldn't hit it hard. A few good defensive plays, and, you know, Kimbrell comes in. I think Winkler comes in. Yeah. Uh, you have Chafin, my man Chafin. Big country. Yeah, I, lo- I love Chafin. He's fan favorite in Chicago now. But, um, <laughs> man, it's it's been pretty – it was pretty incredible to see – now, I was waking up early the next day to go to New York, actually, to see the Mets play. So I had to wake up early, So and it was a West Coast game. So I had to go to bed in, like, the sixth inning. 
going to bed, I did not think the Cubs would be able to pull it off. And they did. They did. They did. Yeah. What an outing. Uh, the bullpen's been great for the Cubs. That, that was really a big part of it, obviously. Lots of walks, but no hits or no hits. Combined no hitter for the Cubs. No hitters and no hitters. Evans no hitter in baseball this year. A lot of them. Yeah, I think that was like the eighth or the ninth, I believe. Maybe even higher than seventh. Maybe even more. I think it was eight or nine, but again, I who do I know? So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's a great outing for the Cubs. I mean, and their bullpen has been one of the bigger talking points of their team this year. So that's even better. That's even that's even bigger. So like. So that's a big proving uh, the Cubs bullpen. Yeah. Showing, hey, we, we we got some lock, we got some shutdown guys. We can no hit the we can no hit the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are no slubs to no hit. I mean, with the bullpen, you have Kimbrel, who's been great, Winkler, who's been really good, Chafin, who's been locked down. Tapera had a bad outing last last night, but um, he's been rock solid. Those are some pretty. Those are some good number top four guys. Like, if oh, you think really about- good. I mean. Right up there, I mean, it, maybe there aren't that many teams I could think of to put where the Cubs have been this year. They've been really good. But uh, let's move on now. Getting pretty close to the end. Series to watch. And it's going to be the Subway Series, actually. New York Mets versus the Yankees. Subway Series. The Yankees. And um, Battle of New York. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting too because it's the Yankees desperately need to get back on track, and the Mets would love some extra cushioning in the NL East. They would love some extra cushioning, and I'm super excited to watch this go down. I mean, not only is it the battle of the New York teams, but it's a pretty crucial. It it means something. Season. It means something for both of these teams. Henry, what do you got to say? I mean, I agree with what you just said. That the Mets need need some cushion cushioning in the NL East. The Yankees need wins to get back in the hunt for the playoffs. So, I mean, it it it's shaping up to be a very good series. And I do think at some point Degrom is. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think so. Doing some quick math in my head, I think Degrom would be pitching. So if he's pitching, I mean, it's a, you know it's going to be a fun game and a fun series. But uh, that is actually going to be it for today, a jam-packed episode, uh, lots of stuff to talk about. And I, I want to thank one more time Henry for coming on. So fun to talk no to you. We, got, we no will have you on more, without a doubt. And um, yeah. don't forget to subscribe uh, to his podcast, the H-squared yeah. podcast. And H-squared Mm-hmm. Subscribe to our podcast, Chatter from the Chiefs. Yep. <laughs> Give it five um, stars. Give it five stars, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You know the situation. Follow us on uh, Chatter uh, from the Cheap Seats. We changed our handle a while ago. Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Um, that is our Instagram. So uh, thanks for coming on, Henry. Any last words? Th- th- thank you so much. Fun to talk to oh, you. I mean, I mean, it's it's a pleasure to be on coming on with you guys i mean i know jack and Ori aren't here but i'm always glad to talk to you they're here in spirit friends i love talking sports with y'all um yeah i'd love to get i I would love to have you guys on my podcast so again maybe we can do another collab who knows yeah uh again thanks for having me um can't wait to talk to you guys soon awesome thank you so much for listening to the podcast thanks to henry for joining us and with that 
Uh, we're going to be signing off. We'll see you guys later. Keep watching sports, baseball, basketball. Football's in on, but watch highlights, whatever. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Thank you.